Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. Okie dokie. Uh, <laughs> we are before we get into today's main topics i did want to touch on our coffee detox mm. so my relationship with coffee has been tumultuous over the years it has we've spoken about it a few times like oh, i definitely have on the podcast i yeah i don't recall maybe i was caffeinated yeah uh, definitely i was caffeinated. in a blind caffeinated frenzy yeah but uh, there was one Christmas where I stopped drinking coffee uh, and I had migraine-like headaches for two weeks. And so I realized that like my dependency on coffee wasn't great. It's not healthy in some cases. Yeah. The amount of coffee I was probably drinking probably wasn't good either. I've also heard of bone mineral leaching from over, like excessive coffee intake, um, but I'm not sure if... Like, that has to be pretty high doses. But that's the reason why it's not recommended to adolescents. Right. Interesting. I thought it was just because they get annoying when they're caffeinated. Look, that is a great reason, (laughs) in all honesty. Like, being a teacher, yeah. Dealing with kids who are hyperactive definitely is not very fun. I, uh, but, so, we, when we were sick, like, two or three weeks ago... We just naturally didn't drink coffee because I think I think it's common sense to not drink caffeinated drinks or alcohol when you're sick. Like to me, that's just my logic. Um, wh- why would you need coffee if you're technically on holidays and you don't need to work and you're sick? Was my thinking. Um, mm. So we didn't have coffee for like a week or more, and then I thought, well, why not just extend this longer? And I feel like you kind of thought the same thing. Yeah. Too. And I was poking fun at you for having a, a caffeine dependence uh, towards the end of the term anyway. Last term? Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely did. Yeah. But yeah, so so we just drank decaf coffee, black. For like three weeks now. Well, for, for me, three weeks. I think you were doing it a little bit longer than me. Yeah. And that's been really interesting for me. I found... Like the natural, t- the times of the day where my energy naturally in- rises and lulls. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the lull that I have in energy is nowhere near the lull that I have when I've had coffee. You know yeah. how like you get that afternoon lull after coffee? Yeah, if you, if you don't wait like a while in the morning to have it, you definitely get the big dip like around two, maybe three. I get that regardless of if I've waited or not. Oh really? Yeah. If I if I hold off to have my coffee, the whole ninety minute rule I spoke about on the podcast one time, and yeah, just wait, then I won't get that dip. But you will have a crash eventually because your body will need to rest, and effectively, coffee puts the resting molecules, which is adenosine, on pause for a while, and it can't connect to its nodes it needs to in your brain and so by doing that by having coffee it's um i guess pushing back the rest that will eventually need to be taken and so yeah sorry i had to 
Ashley had to run away for a second because we had, uh, well, she, she she was busy saging herself because she felt like she had some juju today. Yeah, I needed to like light the sage, but, and I thought it didn't take because it wasn't smoking before. And then I realized it's smoky in here and how much it like smells. Oh. And then I was like, fuck, is that a light? It's a light on the step. So I went over and oh, it's smoking and it was a light. So I've just put it out the front, not near any trees, just to try and smoke it out. So what you're trying to say is you almost burnt my family house down. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that would have been terrible. Yeah, that would have been I, Just side note, I'm not a big fan of the sage because I just don't really don't like, like the, the smell. smell. I don't, it's not that I don't like the smell. It's that I don't like... Con- like It's, it's a, a almost... What's the word? Uncomfortable in my no- nasal cavity to like smell it constantly, right. the smoke. Right, 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 so right. I'm like... Whenever you sage everything, I'm like, oh, please. But... If it makes you feel good, I'll I'll uh, I'll swallow my discomfort. Yeah, psychologically, I think it's me taking action on not feeling great, mm. and so by going around the house and like I don't know, just moving my body and doing something about it, it could be a bit of a placebo. But I don't know. I like the routine of it anyway, and I'm a bit of a spiritual person, so yeah. Well, having intention to shift your mood. Yeah. is never a, a bad thing. Like It's effectively a form of meditation. You're walking around the house and you're consciously thinking about producing better vibes. Yeah. So uh, how can that be a negative? And it also is paired with like o- cleaning the house a bit and opening the windows. So I'm doing like a whole bunch of stuff. It's like a bit of a, a self-care routine, which is yeah. pretty cool. So that was a bit of a rough start. It was a bit chaotic there with the uh, podcast. Yeah. Unusual. What- normal (laughs) normal chaos we don't usually yeah i think sometimes we try and like make this seem a bit professional and don't allow for crazy emergencies and stuff but yeah that's definitely not a bad thing in some sense so yeah so how have you been going with your coffee detox how do you how do you feel so you're experiencing dips still so you're saying you're getting dips with coffee. Are you still getting dips without the coffee? Not as intensely. Okay. I'll get, so it also depends, like if I'm working a lot, then I'm, I'm more inclined to have an energy dip. Yeah. Uh, And it's always after I eat too, like that first meal of the day, Mm because I fast till mostly 12 Yeah. and then I eat, I don't eat till I'm full. And then I'm like, Oh, I could just sit down for an hour or two. Yeah, And then after that hour or two, my energy picks up again at like three and I'm ready to move around and do stuff. And I find, I also find I, I was going to say I sleep better or that I, I'm less exhausted when I go to bed, which doesn't sound like it's a good thing, you know, but I, I would take that trade off for having like, I always get like heart palpitations from having coffee just cause like blood's coursing through my veins so fast palpitations is probably not the word like as in you're just getting like an elevated heart rate yes but i can it's so strong that you can can feel feel it it in your chest "Ah, i hate it yeah Yeah, it just ashley's banging her chest right now yeah (laughs) 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 yeah how are you going with the detox considering this wasn't like an intentional detox by the way not like one of those like juice cleansers it just happened naturally yeah, I think I think we're kind of doing it with the intention of possibly doing it forever. Yeah. Which a little bit of 
me like sad about it because we just spent like $40 on some really nice Montville coffee that we haven't even opened. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, are we ever going to have this now? And do we have to gift it away? I like the idea of having a coffee every now and then, like once a fortnight or... Yeah. Like we had we had a half strength this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I see it as a treat now. I see it as having a an actual caffeinated coffee as a treat. Yeah, normally on our coffee date, because that's like a thing we have ritualed into our relationship as we go out on a Saturday and we go have a coffee date. Last weekend I went and ordered a decaf and it like it was good. I, I had a half strength today and honestly the half strength doesn't feel any different to a decaf. Like I don't mm. think it's like a big enough hit to make that much of a difference or at least I'm not noticing that much of a difference I guess I in my body I feel slightly elevated mm. um, but it is interesting that you're you were pointing out with the coffee you're effectively just getting a really big high and then a really big crash mm. and I that's the I guess demise you fall into with coffee because people will then just to avoid the crash have another coffee and then Mm -hmm. before you know it you're just having like multiple coffees a day Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting as a culture that like we've structured society in a way that forces us to work the whole day effectively right you get breaks but your breaks are like scheduled in it's never going to line up with when you actually feel like you need a break yeah and so we've pretty much found a way to negate any of our dips in energy throughout the day using the stimulant which is interesting i'm going to go check on the sage again cuz i can see it smoking outside but why like what are you stressing over it for didn't you put it did you put it in a dangerous spot no, I suppose not. Just I don't know. Anything could happen. <laughs> Anything could happen. Uh, a bird comes along, picks it up, drops it somewhere in the forest. It just like catches light. Oh man, yeah. It'll be fine. Okay. Don't stress about it. The house it. burns down. It's your fault. It's on rocks. Like it, it. You can tell Ashley was like a very indoor, enclosed girl with like parents who quite feared like little dangerous things happening oh, around yeah, the so, place yeah helicopter for sure whereas i was outside like handling fire and playing with knives and yeah running yeah. around singing kumbaya this one thing i and this is going to be such a random tangent but my my closest friend when i was growing up still one of my closest friends to this day uh, but we used to spend every weekend together or at least every second weekend. He would come to my house. We'd spend the whole weekend together and I'd go to his house and we'd spend the whole weekend together. And we used to do this thing when we were here at my house. We got this big tree and we had this massive rope and we'd throw it over the tree and we would tie like a big old log to it. And this log would have to be probably the height of like us standing tall and it probably weighed like 20 or 30 kilos like it was relatively heavy like one of us could pick it up by ourselves but it was still had some substantial weight to it and we tie this to the rope and then the aim of the game you have like a stick on each side as if you were going to sword fight but you would sword fight the log and inadvertently use the log to attempt to hit the other person. And their job was to block the log with the stick 
And then deflect the log back at the other person. So you're pulling on the rope so the log is up in the air and swinging. No, you don't pull on the log. The log's hanging. The log's hanging. And you literally hit the log with your stick. Right. And so you're standing either side of the log opposite each other. And you hit the log and the log would spin, right? Oh, it's kind of like totem tennis with the aim of hitting the other person with the log. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. Yeah, so it had like a fair bit of risk to it. But at the same time... Like, these days you'd never see kids playing like that because parents would just freak out. They're like, oh, my God, my kid's going to get hurt. But, like, getting a graze and, like, recovering from it, like, it's never that big of a deal. Mm. Um, and at the same time, like, we're learning, like, coordination. We're ducking and weaving and we're having a blast. And the best part about the blast is because there's slightly, like, there's a fair bit of risk involved as well. Um, obviously, if someone, like, gets clobbered, you stop and you check if they're okay. Um, but I, like, we literally never got clobbered, like, to the point where we were, like, in agonizing pain. We played this game all the time. Mm. How did I even get to that side tangent? We, it doesn't matter. Oh. We were talking about, like, how Because I, I had a wild upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember one time I came home, I was riding my bike with my friends. I had no idea where we were going. I didn't even know the layout of this small town that I lived in. And, um, I came, mum wanted me home before the sun went down and I didn't know where I was and how long it would take me to get home. And I came home and it was like getting kind of dark. And I walked into the house and <laughs> I walked into the house, it's dead quiet. I walked into the lounge room, it's dark. The lights, I don't even think the lights are on. And she's eating her dinner and she just glares at me. And Because you're late. Because I'm late. And I was like, I just looked at her and I was like, fuck, I'm in trouble. Yeah, your mum was just waiting there for yeah, you to get but, home. But like, it wasn't like... Uh, it was. She was so, like, cold with me. <laughs> she was like, I almost called the police. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, to me, like, that, I, th- that anxiety of getting in trouble and, like, just being cold-shouldered, even though she was technically doing, like, meant it out of care because I was given that care, quote-unquote, in such a, like, cold-hearted way. I was like, I hate this feeling. I don't want to feel this way. And so I would always, like, anytime there, I think it bred a lot of anxiety within me because I didn't know how my parents were going to react. And so, like, all I, I get very, um, I try to prevent a lot of things from happening. But being with you has really taught me how to, like, chill out a lot. Yeah, well. it's an interesting approach. Like, it's like a, a scary, almost shaming of of you in that in that scenario. Yeah. But it got the message across, I guess, like, I don't know, maybe your parents felt like the neighborhood you lived in wasn't safe. But, like, in reality, like, no neighborhood is 100% safe. Mm. But it's nowhere near as bad as people pretend that it is. Mm. Like, even your local, like, crack addict that, like, you see around. They're too busy having a good time. They're not going to do anything to you. Like I was playing basketball just outside the other day, and one drove by, and I was, I hit a jump shot, and the guy like celebrated as he was like, (laughs) "Yeah, nice shot," (laughs) as he rode by, and I was like, "Thanks, mate." Like he was in a good mood, you know what I mean? Like people, I I think it's sad that we think the worst of people immediately. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we're all human beings, and I, I personally like to think that try and think the best of most people from the get-go mm. and most of the time they're going to surprise you with the fact that that they well maybe not necessarily me but they might surprise you that they are doing the best they can and hopefully you're not going to have a negative interaction and when you do have a negative interaction 
with someone, usually it's not the person you expect to, like, act so poorly. Yeah. You also <laughs> learn from that experience, right? Like, if you just remain, like, kind, I suppose, but you you, le- you learn from reading a situation. Mm. Like, someone... That's a great example. Like, someone who you don't expect to react in a bad way, and then they react in a bad way, and you're like, oh. And in your, in your brain is taking in all the information, even if you don't logically think it, like oh, this is probably why this kind of happened. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about our main topic today, which is confrontation and speaking up. So the other day, you told me a story that you had, um, like, I don't know if it was like you were confronting someone or you just spoke about how you are like straight to the point. And I said... When that when we first met, that used to stress me the fuck out. When mm. you would be so like you when I'm when I mean confrontational, you weren't you aren't aggressive. You're just like if someone if someone does something that I think is morally wrong, um, or m- maybe breaks the code of what I expect out of the friendship or maybe the relationship that's required because we're working together. Yeah. I'm definitely not afraid of of saying saying it, and I, I will I will say it. It's also if someone's behaving in a way that is just like ridiculous as well to you, you'll you'll call it out, like yes. you, even in a funny way. Like yeah. confrontation doesn't have to mean angry. I think all the time the perspective on confrontation is that it's negative, it's aggressive, <laughs> yeah, and it's scary. I think it's the the harsh switch that. I think people see because I'm so like silly and positive most of the time that when I switch to just serious, they're like, oh, they've really taken it back. In perspective to you specifically with confrontation. Yeah, they don't. It's almost like they don't realize I have like a serious side. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and it it, maybe to them they're like, oh, Jazz is really mad. But you do you do get aggressive when you get passionate sometimes. Yes. If there's back and forth. Yeah. But um, I think that's what, a lot of the time what scares people about speaking up and being like completely honest and confrontation is they're scared of the recoil that they'll get from the other person. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're not afraid to bring it up because you know deep down that even if the other person reacts in a bad way, you know how to not just stand your ground, but like you're not going to be harmed if the other person doesn't agree with you no and if anything it's going to eat me up inside if you don't if i don't say something because i'm going to be constantly thinking about it when i'm around that person and so to me it's a way of mending the relationship with them in my mind yes right and if if, yeah that's the key point that's the exact reason why first impressions are important like if you stuff up a first impression you're going to kind of have that image of that person or maybe they're going to have that image of you until you can demonstrate that that isn't you. That, that means that, yeah, there's going to be conflict in relationships, any kind of relationship, if the person you... If you put on a facade mm-hmm. and then deep down you're trying to, like, show who you really are there is going to be a conflict because there's going to be a change in the 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 energy and the interactions that you have but i think you brought up a key point about confrontation which you just spoke about oh was that it to me 
a lot of the time people won't speak up because they think that they're doing the other person some good like oh it's just better if i don't speak up because then they won't feel a certain way Mm. they won't feel bad but it's actually not only you're doing a disservice to yourself in not speaking up for what you need you're doing a disservice to the other person because you're ultimately establishing a a falsehood within your relationship or like a falsehood with their relationship with others like they might be completely unaware that they're making everyone feel a certain way right? Like they're, they're either like hurting everyone's feelings or they're being quite rude. And or it could be towards, it could just be interpersonal. It could be, right? Yeah. It could be something they're doing that is really upsetting you, mm. but you're not clearly communicating with them that that is, that is actually something that is, is um, ultimately hurting your relationship between the two of you. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know that, then they're not going to change. And exactly. then if they, if if you just am, like blurt it out one day, mm-hmm. they're going to be a little hurt mm. because you've ultimately lied to them yeah. in going along with this thing that they thought was fine. I, you've pointed out something that I think I can improve on in that area because I'm definitely not, not like great at it. I wouldn't consider myself a master of that area. I think I'm better than most because I have the courage and and balls i guess to do what needs to be done in that regard but at the same time and this is probably going to be a growth point for me is being tactical at the time in which i bring the issue up Mm. because for me sometimes something can feel like so like so outright out uh outrageous or what outrageous is the word i'm looking for is that is that a word i don't know I think I think that's egregious. Egregious. I'm mind blanking on that one. Anyway, I, I, the, yeah, yeah. I think we understand the intention I'm going for. Yeah. That I feel like I have to address it, otherwise I'm going to be stuck in this state. Yeah. And but mm. however, if I address it while I'm in that space, mm. I'm going to come across more intense than I want to. Mm. And I. I've had issues with that, right? And so Mm. I've accidentally um, come across too intense and therefore I've put the other person on the back foot. And it's really hard to move forward in that case quickly because they're going to be in defensive mode Mm. and they'll double down. But I still see value in it. It's better to do it than not to do it because you're going to move past it in reflection. Yeah. So... Either way, it net positives out, but me moving forward in a growth area, if I can wait and get to a point where I'm more comfortable in myself about approaching it in a slightly calmer state, then we'll be able to move forward quicker. So it's, but it's either way, you're still moving the needle forward, but especially when I'm thinking in like, if you were in a work scenario, Mm. you obviously don't want to create this huge ant's nest that you just kicked. Um, well, I think the ant's nest is already... It's there, there. in some sense. Yeah. But y- you, you don't want to yeah. kick it even more. Yeah, and then and then you just create this this division between you. like Because that's also a possible outcome that you alleviate maybe your feelings around it 
However, the other person might totally change their their view of you if they're not able to move past it. But again, that's why it's important for them to bring it up with you as well. Yeah. So it has to be back and forth. But people are so scared of hurting feelings these days. Oh, yeah. And that they just avoid it altogether. And that is just why we have so many mental health issues. Yeah. I think it it's... um. People th- see it as something noble to be able to have a problem with someone and to, like, hold back. It's almost seen, like, as a selfless idea, which it is not. Um, but we've had a... I think we've had... Um, I don't want to say trouble, but I guess we have had trouble with speaking up within our relationship mm. in the past. Mm. And uh, learning how to do that in terms of like you touched on the timing, mm-hmm. the timing of the day. Is it, you know, adequate for both of you? Um, the length of time you spend discussing it. And I think I was trying to learn to do that on my own. I knew speaking up wasn't something that I was used to. And, and so, but I knew intuitively when I needed to speak up, I just mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to do a lot of reading about that, which helped. But ultimately I think, seeing that couple's counsellor really pushed the needle forward on um, learning to speak up even better. And not only that, when the confrontation goes sour, if we're not able to stay calm and grounded, which is key in in any time of confrontation, the, the couple's therapist mentioned, you know, if, if it's, if it's going nowhere, Mm -hmm. then, saying to each other, all right, I need to take 15 minutes away. I'm pretty sure we've spoken about this in a very, very early episode. Yeah. um, Let's take 15 minutes away. After that 15 minutes, we'll come back together and we'll be able to talk about it. The key was being able to do something within that 15 minutes that actually grounds you down, like centers you and not just stewing in the anger that you're feeling or the hurt that you're feeling and then coming back with, blame ready to throw at the other person yeah yeah because it's very easy in that state like i know from from my personal experience i'm still fighting the argument in my head with my my own version of you in my brain yeah and so you're having a back and forth and you're like well why doesn't she see it this way or maybe i can get her with this point or i can get her with this point Yeah, like trying to win yeah and and that's like you're married to a very very competitive person so I, I struggle to not want to win at everything, including arguments, right? I love winning at arguments. Um, and I love a good debate as well. Mm. I think the difference is in what your definition of winning is. So, so <laughs> yeah, that's to, such a good point. Like, so to me, to me, winning is if I'm able to speak up, be honest, be somewhat calm, like I'm going to cry, I'm mm-hmm. going to get emotional, but... To me, winning is where we're both able to get across the main problems and solutions and then come out at the end feeling um, at least somewhat better than where we started. To me, that's that's my definition of winning. Yeah, whereas like if I'm in that state, I would personally, and I, I don't do that very much anymore, but I, I could possibly get to that point where I'm just like being ridiculous. Mm. Um, but when I'm in that state, I'm going for, I'm here to convince you of my idea and my idea is the right idea. And even if it was right, 
what's me convincing you of it in such a way that diminishes our, us together? And now you just have resent me mm. every time that like whatever that thing is that now you have to do right now. Now I've just created this wedge between us mm. just because I wanted to win a point. And so is that a win? Mm. I, I won a point, but I lost the long game. Mm. And I think that's how people have to think about it as well. It's like, how is this going to affect me and my relationship in longevity? Yeah. Because if you, there is, at the end of the day, you're going to want to play with your partner as much as possible. That's why you like hanging out with each other because you have this thing that connects each other and you have this dynamic that allows you to play in whatever whatever scenario it might be. Mm. If they feel like you're going to trample them or you're going to um, win too much of whatever the dynamic is, then over the longevity of your relationship, they're going to stop playing with you. Mm -hmm. And then your relationship eventually dies because it no longer has that spark. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking how um, I am a huge couples counselling advocate, but for a while there we were trying to get something it was really about repairing our our trust bond in the relationship and mm -hmm. like loving each other and me feeling safe and you knowing what to do and um we was very very slowly getting there but it felt like with that moving the needle forward analogy the needle had kind of stopped progressing and it just had a standstill so it was further than when we first met but it wasn't getting anywhere and I felt like having that other person sometimes when you are in a state of stagnation mm. you need someone to give you a little push yeah and that was kind of what the couples counselor did and I think you know talking about how I'm not perfect either and I want to note that as well that whilst I'm my form of emotionalness in a conflict <laughs> I didn't know what that meant emotionalness em emotional like ex expelling in a confrontation is more towards the 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 side of crying. I'm, yeah, I'm ang I am yes, angry, but sad. it comes out through sadness. Yeah. Um. And in terms of you being like angry in those moments, for a long time I didn't want to speak up, and I used that as an excuse not to speak up. Mm. Was that I was scared of you being angry, even though I knew deep down full well you would never hurt me physically. Yeah. I what I needed to overcome and understand was I can regulate my own emotions. Mm -hmm. I can hold my own ground and like I can hold the fort. Mm -hmm. I can stay calm regardless of how you feel. Mm -hmm. It's not about me trying to change how you feel. It's not about me trying to change you from being angry. But sometimes it is just about being able to let you say what you need to say and with and actually not just listen but instead of taking it personally just mm. understand that you need to get shit off your chest mm -hmm. and then uh from there trying to find a solution and not it necessarily being about this back and forth of well you did this and you did that and yeah that that was something that felt so hard but is actually so easy mm. and it uses way less energy than flipping out at you but i did find a lot of the like when i i felt like i was doing that a lot for a time there 
and in hindsight, now looking back, you were a lot more stressed than I was in that period of time. Yeah. And so I kind of gave you like a, a bit of leeway. Yeah. Um, but then it, it kind of flipped after a while because I, I was so sick of being the calm one. Yeah. And the one that was like wanting to get to the bottom of it fast mm-hmm. that I became the, the like emotional wreck. And I don't know. I don't know if you had noticed that, but I definitely noticed that. And I was way less willing to be calm and way more willing to just like blurt it out and... Yeah, that that is an interesting thing in relationships where one person f- feels like they're having to always bring up or point out the elephant in the room, mm. um, and they they therefore are like, why am I always having to be the bad guy, or why am I always having to be the person who is initiating, which is effectively points of growth. You're like, mm. we need to grow here. Otherwise, we're, we're going to struggle, mm. right? There's something's not working. We need to grow here. I'm pointing it out. Something needs to change. Whereas like for a while there, you, I think you were getting frustrated with the fact that you were always pointing them out. Mm. And... Or even like I, I felt like there was things that you noticed that you didn't like speak up about and I would get annoyed at that as well, which is just hilarious. Yeah, see, I weirdly feel like I'm most of the time a bit unaware Mm. in in that regard. Um, But it's also, and this comes into so, I'm seeing so many links and other topics we want to talk about. I'm very happy with our relationship. Mm. And I I guess it's one of those scenarios where it's like sometimes comfort can be your demise, which we've spoken about a lot of times, like, when you're comfortable, it also is easy to just allow things to slip mm-hmm. because you're so comfortable. Yeah. Instead of just pushing each other further. Yeah. And when you're super busy, and which I always am, it's effectively like adding more load. And I guess I'm in some sense when I'm like home and stuff, I just like I'm trying to be present. Yeah. My whole thing is like, how can I forget about the things that are at, going on at work or whatever it is? Mm. Um, or maybe it's basketball's not going very well right now. Maybe I've got an injury I'm nursing and I'm just like, that's constantly like popping into my head and I'm just trying to think, ah, oh, just let it go. Like, mm. I just want to be at peace for a while. I think what you just mentioned about like being in your head, I think that is something that... Uh, is really a problem when not only when you have something that you need to say, when you need to speak up about something, but even, I guess, the other, whoever it is that you're in in relationship to that you're having trouble with, um, if you have a confrontation or an argument and you guys are too much in your head, Mm. that's when things go sour. Yeah, it's because you're disconnected from Mm. each other. And that's the same thing when couples get really busy in their career lives. They get disconnected with each other because they can't leave work at work. Mm. And so when they're at home, they're constantly like solving work issues still in their minds. And you kind of forget that the other person's there. Mm. And it's not that you don't know they're there. 
it's that you're not interacting with them in any meaningful way. And that, again, is like a wedge in your relationship. And so you've got to find ways to bring yourself to, no, I'm home. And why am I home? What, what, like, what's my purpose here? Mm. Your purpose is your family. Your purpose is your wife. Your purpose is ensuring that everyone there is looked after and loved and fed you know like Mm. and just enriching those experiences because if you miss those those are the the only thing that matters those are the meaningful parts of life if you're missing those and you're just solving work problems you're going to get unhappier and unhappier and unhappier Mm. and unhappier but it's it's hard it's harder to do than what it is to say yeah and i also think like um the other partner or the other colleague if you know that you're going that person's going through something or they are they've got a lot of work on their plate or they are you can tell they're in their mind a lot having compassion for that person instead of expecting them to be at a certain caliber all the time Mm. i think that's you know sometimes i think we forget that we're all human yes and ultimately that's to me that's what everything comes down to and so this kind of brings us to our next point that we wanted to talk about um, but it's the idea of, okay, so someone's struggling. Maybe it's your partner, someone, maybe it's a close friend, maybe it's a work colleague, someone's struggling. Maybe something's gone wrong in their life. Maybe your partner's just really overloaded with heaps of work right now. What can you do is the question. Because if they're constantly struggling and they can't breathe, you're not going to enjoy each other's presence whatsoever Mm. and if you can help them in some way to alleviate stress Mm. that will allow them to take a a breath of fresh air and everyone's going to go through this at some point you might have uh, sickness in the family you might have someone pass away um or maybe you just got a big promotion and just everything's chaotic and you're trying to work out the job whatever it is as a partner, like for instance, if if I'm going through something that's just like work super busy, it's week five of the term, I've got all these assignments coming in, I'm still like planning other stuff, I've got basketball on as well, I'm just strapped for time. Mm. Ashley picking up some of the, the workload around the house mm. allows me to therefore have some downtime in which now I can actually occupy some play. Mm. I want to point out too, it's not about in that for in that example, it's not about me just being able to notice when that's happening and then just automatically pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do do that. Mm-hmm. Other times, there's going to be you in that analogy, you're there's going to be so much t- turmoil in it for you. I'm not paying attention to what's going on for you. As is like I I don't need to be paying attention to what you're doing all the time is same, same, same opposite mm-hmm. direction. Sometimes I think we focus too much on what our partner needs to do instead of what like we can be doing. But um, it could get to a point where you just crack the shits. Mm. And in that moment, I have to be able to step back and go, okay, this isn't normal. Mm-hmm. Like, are you okay? What's going on for you? Mm. And then you might just be like, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff's going on. And then... Um, it's, a, it's about you being able to say, I just, I can't be doing the same load that I'm doing. I need some help. 
Yeah. And then... And then the balance can shift in the relationship. And yeah. that, that'll that make a world of a difference for you. Getting clear just, on what you can help each other with. Exactly. And then I, I just want to extend that further. Let's say it's like a friend or a work colleague or something. Like they're having some issues and, and they've told you, oh, this is going on. First of all, they're probably telling you that because they just want to be like, hey, if I'm acting odd, this is why. This is why. But at the same time... You might want to take if you're if you're in a position where you're not too overloaded and you want and you're like oh what can I even do to help this person alleviate some of their load because uh, like I've I've I recently thought about that and one of my friends actually taught me a really cool thing that you can help people around you in your community a while back is how can you help alleviate the workload that they've got in their personal life. And when I say that, I mean like the, your personal life workload is chores, dishes, picking up kids, dropping kids off. Maybe they got older teens. Maybe it's like helping them with getting their driver's license. Mm. Maybe it's um, taking kids to sport. Maybe it's washing, right? Or maybe it's a meal, and the meal one is probably one of the best options, I think, because it's not very invasive. Mm. Um, you don't have to ask that much of a permission to do that. Like, it's one of those things you can just drop off as a present. Mm. And if you make someone a meal for their family, you've just alleviated maybe an hour of their time. Mm. And you've also, like the the thought process that you have to go behind even just of thinking like what am I going to cook dinner tonight and if you've like really stressed out that can just be a really hard decision especially mm. if you're going through something hard and you've got a lot of decisions to make yeah like decision fatigue in that scenario is really tough and like the smallest of things just trying to make dinner or deciding on dinner could like be the breaking point for you mm. and so you just by doing something small like that like it doesn't take much out of your time if you if you've got some free time why not just like make them a meal Mm -hmm. give them a meal and you've you've just opened up so many opportunities for that person or and their family perhaps to um just take a breath yeah that really impressed me Uh, Chaz is speaking about our our real life situation which we're not going to go into but um it was yeah it was really impressive to see you making a meal for someone and it just like I already I already knew that you were the kind of person that was willing to help people out but you know I I thought you know this person hasn't asked for your help and it was so surprising that although you're not entirely close with them that you were able to do that and I just thought about how helpful that would be if I was in that kind of situation just um yeah just everything that you've explained. And it's also very impressive. I think knowing how hard it can be to speak up about hard things, when you see someone speak up about something that they're struggling with, even mm. if it's just, I'm just letting you know this is going on yeah. if I act weird. Yeah. You know how big of a thing that can feel um, if you are struggling. Yeah. And, and Yeah, that's a tough thing to say. Like, you, I, I, yeah. It's, you feel, I think of the anxiety I'd feel just trying to find a moment to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very brave to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think if at the very end of the day, 
if all you do is just be completely honest about something that you need that is bothering you and you need to change or how you're feeling you you have to step back and take give yourself like a pat on the back yeah really like i you know especially if it's out of the ordinary for you mm-hmm. to speak up i think a lot of the time and i may have said this before but we i think i did we are so focused on um the impact of speaking up um and how other people react and treat us instead of looking at i just did that like mm. take a moment to be like i just spoke up about something that's really uncertain and scary yeah uh even if it was taken the wrong way i did it yeah it is good i think you won't even need to have that active conscious thought because the amount of anxiety that lifts off you by just doing it is like instant gratification Mm. it's one of those scenarios that it's just like it's hard to do but once doing you immediately just feel like (sighs) Mm. which is um epic Mm-hmm. We chewed up a lot of time on that one. We did. Yeah. But that's what I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Because we, we go deep. So maybe we should move on to our questions. Let's do it. Uh, so first question. Do you want to pick or do you want me to pick? No, you go. What's something that... You bring it over here. That way you're talking into the mic. There we go. What's something that completely changed you? when you encountered it for the first time? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I've spoken about that one on the podcast before, so I don't really want to talk about that one. Um, I can say something if you don't yeah. have anything. Yeah, you go if you've got one on your mind. Uh, there's this book mm. that I read back when I first started like kind of my mental health journey when I was 18, 19, started seeing a psychologist and she got me into books and then I, I went to the bookstore and I, I saw this book and it just called to me. Yeah. And I picked it up and it's called You Are Enough by Cassie Mendoza-Jones. Yeah. And it was all about like confidence and in a, in not in a tacky way. It was learning about self-sabotage and secondary gain and all those kinds mm-hmm. of things, insecurity and um, comparison and all that. And I feel like it drastically changed my in, inner world. Yeah. So much so to a point where now I'm about to work with this lady as a for her to be like my business coach, yeah, and like that in itself, taking that huge leap is like to me that's what's the what's the word it's just it's gonna it's completely changed reading that first book has completely changed the trajectory of my life because I may not have wanted to work with her if I didn't know what she'd been through. Yeah, it's a bit of a butterfly effect scenario, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You never know what's going to come up um, from from just actioning something so small, mm. what appeared to be so small, but now it's it's developed into this, this cool thing that potentially could have some epic outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I went early. You kind of took me back in time now when I had some time to ponder on that question. I guess the biggest thing that changed me fundamentally as a person was getting into the gym and what really originally spurred me into getting into the gym quite is sadistic a word that I, I probably like 
like bad. Yeah, it was like almost like a, a not necessarily a a positive time in my life, and I was using gym as an outlet for a quite a lot of anger. I was almost like punishing myself in the gym. Mm. So I guess that's why I'm choosing the word sadistic. Secondary gain. It was definitely a secondary gain. Like I'd just gone through like a breakup in high school. And um, I think I, I, like my, the girlfriend I had at that time um, had cheated on me, which kind of put me into this like weird state of just constant anger and I was just like desperately trying to find a way to shift it and the the thing that I came to was I'm just gonna work work out as hard as I can to to try and make myself feel better and it did in temporary bursts like it, obviously like that pain would come back up but it it had like an alleviating effect for me um and i guess that's what fundamentally made me perceive gym or just exercise in a fashion that was a tool to um benefit my mental health mm. rather than but previously before that I was just doing it because I wanted to be a the most athletic basketball player I possibly could be which also was like a strong motivation for me but that was a fundamental shift in my thinking towards exercise was this is now a tool to better me mm. in my mind even if it started out in like a self-deprecating way yeah it, it was definitely not positive at first in some thing. sense um but it turned out to be a really positive thing because if you can like when you're in a, a a good state of mind and use gym and the feeling you get after that, like it gives you another notch. Mm. You you feel so much more joy. And it's that whole principle of you can't have happiness without darkness. You have to experience hard things to enjoy good things. The whole process of the journey is is 100% rings true mm. and working out is a tough thing you mentally push yourself and at the other end all of a sudden you feel peace because you're like I did that and now you're you've got this room because you've kind of like released all this anguish mm. and now you've got room for joy mm-hmm. yeah I feel like from what you told me you were quite an angry teenager anyway like you were pretty quick to get to anger so. It, it was always girl stuff, yeah. always. Like when I look back, it was always, I th- I think I went through puberty early mm. and like just girl things for some reason, like I'm, I'm like an emotional person, I think in some sense, like it doesn't maybe seem like it from an outside point of view, but like I definitely feel extreme joy and then I can also feel like extreme sadness um, I just don't go to that place very often. But like when I do, like I really feel it. Mm. I think what I'm really good at is not staying there. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people stay there and just like mull in it, yeah. which I see no benefit in. But I do see the benefit in being able to go there because it's the whole principle of like you have to touch the dark to enjoy the light. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a good answer, my friend. All right. Last question, because we got 10 minutes to spare. We're binging tonight. Pick a movie and a snack. Um, 
So our favorite snacks is always like a savory plain chips combined with a dark chocolate. And that just slaps. Or we're going those um, fancy pots. Which fancy are, plants. Fancy plants. Okay. And so they're like this alternative pudding that's supposed to be like a healthy alternative. Or you got that. Like they also make this cheer pod that's so good. Like it's like this cacao cheer pod mix. Oh. Or like even the three, the three in combination during a movie, the chips, the chocolate and the cheer pod. Mm. We'll probably probably go chips, chocolate, back to chips, cheer pod, just, you (laughs) know, so you clear the palate with saltiness. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And then like we're right now, we've been getting into uh, the Netflix documentary Breakpoint. Which is a tennis doco. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. We now like are obsessed with tennis. I just thought about wanting to watch that. Earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, we went to uh, our work had happy hour the other day, yeah. and on the big screen they had women's tennis. Oh yeah. And I just was watching the women's tennis, and I never watch sport. Like, I, even if I'm at a sports club, like I won't sit there and watch the sport. But I've just gotten into this break point so much, and it's like. Normally, I wouldn't, like, no offense women, but I wouldn't watch women's sport very much. But tennis is one of those sports that, I like, obviously, the power and strength you lose in the sport when you're watching between men and women. However, I think the purity of the sport doesn't change because there's nothing that women in the sport can't really do technically that men can't like can do like there's no real difference there whereas in like basketball like men can do really athletic dunks and things like that like that women just can't do yeah and so that makes a rare woman could very rare but even still it would be nothing compared to like the The reach that a man can get yeah like the some of the most unathletic guys in the nba would make like would be on par with the most athletic NBA woman. Mm. Um, however, and that makes the game really exciting to watch for the men's mm. in NBA. But in tennis, it's kind of even even, even playing yeah. field. And it's such like a more like technical, strategic sport in that sense. And you can't like it's the just mental, so interesting to the watch them game play. Yeah. Too. Like 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 they said, you can't hide anywhere. Like if you're playing a, a team sport like basketball uh, you can drop back and be like you know nowhere near the ball if you need a bit of a, a break, like mm-hmm. a mental break or a physical break. But with tennis, all eyes are on you. You're literally facing your opponent dead yeah. on. Like everything is is shown yeah. and bare, and that's just like an, an incredible thing to be able to witness. I want to watch. I want to watch uh, a, a real life tennis game. I, one day. I also love the energy systems that are being used in tennis. Like it's a very um, explosive sport mm. you're not really fatiguing yourself endurance wise too much although the matches can go for a while but they're they're all burst orientated and to me as like a basketball player that's very relatable for me because mm. i understand like just constantly going from zero to burst zero to burst zero to burst like always just switching up like that and so that that excites me about the game as well um but yeah it, nothing speaks i think louder to we're about to turn or getting close to 30 than just getting obsessed with documentaries like that. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to get you to watch documentaries for so long. But I think the problem was I was picking animal documentaries, which I find so fascinating. They are fascinating. Yeah, I just... I like something that's like a bit more reality-based for me. What... Animals aren't real, okay. You mean mean relatable to your life. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm, yeah. yeah. That's Zac Efron doco as well. Down to Earth. Oh, yeah. slaps. The, uh, yeah. I judged it for so long. Like, we were skipping over it for like a year and a bit. And I was like, hmm. I don't know. Like, I've never seen Zac Efron do anything like this. I yeah. don't know how good it is. Um, but him and the other bloke on Darian. it. Darian. Darren. Darren? Yeah, Darren. Darren. He, one of them's a vegan and Zac Efron's like, they just eat so much cool food and they just travel the world. And yeah. they've always got this environmental f- friendly kind of approach to everything. Some of it's a bit propagandary. Yeah. But at the same time, I love the pursuit of just... Again, it's trying to make everything a better place, which yeah. is an amazing pursuit. And so it's, and just it like, makes it, you feel good. Yeah, it does. The exploring of uh, the world, which you can do from the comfort of your own home now, to, to see things and it, uh, that you wouldn't be able to get to experience unless mm. you had someone like Zac Efron or a documentarian taking yeah. you through them. Yeah, it's I was, so cool. I was going to add to the snack thing. I actually thought about a platter. <laughs> I love a platter. Stop it. Some prosciutto, oh. tomatoes, pickles, olives. I feel like that's an approaching 30 thing as well. You got some money now, so you can <laughs> yeah. be like, yeah, let's get into a full-blown platter. Yeah. Versus just like your cheap 99 cents box of cha- shapes or something. Yeah. When you're in your early 20s. Doritos and salsa or something. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. true. Cool. I think right. that was a good space to... To end, end the episode, yeah. yes. Uh, if you have any suggestions for topics or you want us to dive into something more or maybe you have a story you want us to share and then dive into, let us know. Otherwise, we've got a list of things that we can dive into. As you can see, we go on a bit of a tangent. So. Side note, I'm, I want to say it so I actually do it. I think we're going to start a GoFundMe. Are we now? Yeah, I'm saying it live so that way we, we, we're incentivized extrinsically to... Uh, to do it because right. we should we want to we want to get more podcast equipment and trying to make this even more professional and legit yeah and get like video cameras and record this thing and yeah there is something too i love watching podcasts on spotify where they have the videos yeah being able to see the person yeah just... i would love to provide that kind of content but yeah. we don't have the coin yet to do it. So yeah. that'd be wicked. So watch out for that. Keep your eyes out. We'll, we'll chuck it up. Yes. And even if it was just like a very small donation, I'm not asking you to use all your spending money, but mm. anything can, that would be, if you feel so inclined, that would be sick. Watch this space. Bye-bye. Bye. And she is the kettle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to leave our podcast a rating, subscribe, and hit the bell button to be notified when new episodes come out. And if you'd like to support us, we've got a GoFundMe to help us with production costs and professional equipment so we can continue to show up and keep the good times coming. The link to that is in the show notes. We appreciate your support and catch you next time. Bye! Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new outro. <laughs> <laughs>